Hello, thanks for choosing to listen to this University of Brighton podcast. I'm Richard Newman. In this edition, we're looking ahead to National Apprenticeship Week, which runs from the 3rd to the 7th of February with our Head of Apprenticeships, Vicky Faulkner. So if you're a wannabe apprentice looking for a way into a degree apprenticeship or an employer wondering how you can get your business into the programme, this is the podcast for you. We talk about the logistics, how to apply and, of course, how much you may be paid. My role is to set the strategic direction for apprenticeships and to support our schools as they develop apprenticeships, advise and guide academics in their delivery and development, work with uh, our employers to make sure that they're fitting in with the needs and to work with the professional schools around the university to set those support structures in place. Okay, um, your backgrounds quickly, Vicky, let's just sort of whiz through I think what Mm. what your background is because you've been at the university for a little while in a a variety of guises so can you just whiz us through what you've been doing throughout your career? Absolutely yeah you're you're right I've been at the university for 10 years in in a range of roles but but my whole career really has been focused on vocational education really lifelong learning and working with academic qualifications that combine academic learning and workplace learning, very, very kind of practically based. I spent 12 years in FE, working on, on those those areas. Then I went to the University of Greenwich and then here at the, the University of Brighton. Came to the University of Brighton as the director of the Sussex Learning Network, first of all. So that's a regional uh, collaboration between all of the Sussex universities and FE colleges, looking at progression pathways for vocational learners into higher education. We also managed to uh, secure a a £1.7 million Centre for Work and Learning project, Mm. Hefke funding, uh, and and that was a great opportunity for the university to work with employers on co-design of HE curriculum. That led naturally to me coming into a new role at the university to head up a, a unit that we call Training and Development, focused on taking that activity really kind of to the next level. So building up our CPD offer and building up co-created curriculum for employers. All of that really fed very naturally into the development for the university of the new degree apprenticeships once they became an opportunity. And uh, and that's when I took up the role of head of apprenticeships. Great. OK, and we're going to get really stuck into those uh, in just a minute. It's, it's National Apprenticeship Week next mm. week. So an opportunity to showcase some of the opportunities available for employers and potential uh, apprentices, and to celebrate the current apprentices too, of course. So can you tell us how the University of Brighton then fits into apprenticeships? Because I guess for many, this will be something that a lot of people don't know that universities even facilitate. You're absolutely right. I think for a lot of people, there's still that perception that apprenticeships are about low skills, they're at level two, GCSE level, they're about trades, hands-on, craft-based apprenticeships. And that's certainly still part of the apprenticeship agenda. But the story is much bigger than that. Since 2015, apprenticeships have been eligible right the way up to level seven. So this has been transformational. They're not any longer just for young people. They're not about lower level skills. 
they do go up to including master's level qualifications. And that's where universities have started to come into this agenda and to take up their part of this mantle. Degree apprenticeships, which are apprenticeships that include a full degree, a bachelor's degree or a master's degree, they're the areas in which we as the University of Brighton operate. And as I say, they've only been eligible since 2015. But this has been transformational as well for apprenticeships. What I think we're doing is helping to show apprenticeships as an aspirational route. Apprenticeships are something that that offer the brightest and the best. They're, they're great ways to work and learn right the way through. And they're helping to break down that horrible divide that we've seen for too long between academia and vocational learning. You know, it's chipping away at Mm. that kind of interface. Going to university, you can go to university now and do an apprenticeship. Apprenticeships on for other people's children. There definitely has been that sort of stereotype around Mm. apprenticeships and they do exist over such a such a massive range of of potential careers and for some people I guess the traditional undergraduate route is just it's just not for them and that might be that might be because of maybe how they did it at at school it might be a lack Mm. of opportunity it might be because they're a mature student that wants to do something different there are so many different routes into an apprenticeship route. You're absolutely right I mean uh, a standard university undergraduate pathway is not right for everybody, but it remains right for a large number of people. Degree apprenticeships just open a new opportunity and a new route through education for people who maybe don't want to study full time or who want to work and learn in a more practical basis. The other thing they do is they open up those lifelong learning opportunities, particularly for mature learners and career change people who are already in the workplace. One thing most people don't realise is that the average age of an apprentice here at the university study is 34. I was going to ask that. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I, I don't know why. I just kind of, I thought it might be for, uh, there might be a trend of a more mature student. Absolutely. You know, for a lot of people, they've they've left school, they've gone into the workplace. To actually leave work and come back to university full time as the only way in which to, to to kind of improve their career is just not viable for them. They, they've got commitments, they've got family, they've changed and moved on. Actually being able to work and learn, not leave their job, continue to study and get that degree is a fantastic new opportunity for them. And that's why it is appealing to those mature learners. Mm. Can you tell us what sort of thing then the University of Brighton offers um, and, and, and how people can, can find out more? How are we sort of spreading the word about what the University of Brighton does? Uh, well, let me, let me start by just, just sort of going over what we, what we do mm. around apprenticeships. I mean, the University of Brighton was one of the earlier adopters of, uh, of degree apprenticeships because it sits really comfortably in the mission and vision of the university. I mean, our mission statement is we're all about practical wisdom. So for us, introducing degree apprenticeships is a real natural development in our portfolio. And they sit very, very comfortably with the kind of professional qualifications that we have already. We started, um, we introduced our first degree apprenticeship in 2016 with a, a higher apprenticeship in health, healthcare. And since then, 
this has grown enormously. We've got over 340 apprentices on programme here at the university now. It's doing 12 different apprenticeship programmes across eight academic schools. So we're offering apprenticeships in healthcare. They've been joined by biomedical science degree apprenticeships, town planning, master's degree apprenticeships, data analytics, master's degree apprenticeships, social worker apprentices, civil engineering apprentices, advanced clinical practice, postgrad teacher apprentices, um, occupational therapists, podiatrists, mm. and an enormous great big range that, that we're bringing on board as well for next year. So there really are, is quite a widespread of opportunities that, that people can look at. If people want to find out a little bit more, then all of these are searchable on our own website. If you just put it, if you put apprenticeship into our course search, all of these courses come up as well. We've talked about the fact that the average age is around 34. Mm. So these are people who are probably looking to the maybe career change, possibly have young families, potentially, quite a lot of commitments. So how can these sort of fit people's lives I mean, is it giving up work completely? Were you working before to do these apprenticeships or is it sort of in-work learning? How, how does it work? No, that's, that's a really good point. Uh, people don't have to give up work in order to do an apprenticeship. In fact, an apprenticeship is a full-time job with a training programme inside it. So all the way throughout, they're working and learning. Now, some people are doing this, having said our average age is 34. We do have a number of people who've left school got their first job as an apprentice and are coming to study here at the university. So some of our apprentices are 18 and some of our apprentices are in their 50s. Mm. Uh, so for some people, this is their first job and that job is sponsoring them to come one day a week here to the university to carry on their studies. In other cases, people have applied through their own workplace to be sponsored into the next stage of their career. So some people may have moved jobs for it. Some people may be promoted into a new into a new area or up to an, a new level in order to do the apprenticeship. Um, one of our largest programmes is around trainee nursing associates in healthcare settings. The vast majority of apprentices on that programme had already been working in their health trusts as healthcare assistants. They'd been there for a number of years. They'd qualified in that role. If they wanted to move on to become a, a registered nurse, they would have had to give up work, come to university full time in order to go back and get a job at the end of that. Actually, the nursing associate programme has allowed them to apply within their trusts to get onto this new programme. They're sponsored, they're day release students here then at the university, and the other four days a week, they're working back in their healthcare trusts. Mm. The end of that, they're promoted into this brand new role of a nursing associate. Mm. So, I mean, the way that apprenticeships work, it can sort of fit for different, you've got new apprentices coming in completely and then we're going to talk about how employers use these in a minute as well and um, you can have people who are already in work who can like you just said they can basically upskill and take mm. their career to the next to the next level you're absolutely right and that's one of the ways that that these benefit employers as well because you can use apprenticeships as a way to kind of entice new talent into your organization 
or you can use it to upskill your own existing staff and, and fill those gaps. That's it. I think it's um, because the the way I, I maybe might look at it from the outside is that you maybe you have to be in an organization first before you can take before your employer would then sponsor you. But that's, that's not the way it works. An employer is actively looking for they're looking to invest in their future, aren't they? We've got some great examples where we've worked with employers this year to recruit. So one of our local authorities we worked with to recruit some new staff straight into chartered town planning apprenticeships, mm. for example, which they'll be in training on. And another company that's that's recruited school leavers straight into civil engineering. Yeah, mm. absolutely. That's quite innovative recruitment, isn't it? Because, it, mm. I mean, from... From there, we're going to come. We will, I think we'll focus that a little bit on on em- employers now, really, um, because from their point of view, it's probably quite a gamble, really, because it's not. This isn't a traditional route. You know, a, a role comes up, you want to fill it within two or three months. You don't yeah. want to look two or three years down the line or whatever <laughs> it is. Uh, so, how how do you actually get employers on board then to advise them that this probably is the best route forward for them long term? Mm. Well, we have a team of business development advisors that will work with businesses to really help to advise them about apprenticeships, but also help them through that recruitment and selection process. And we can work with an employer, with the business development advisor and and our relevant apprenticeship course leader to help an employer to draw up a, a, a person specification, um, in a number of cases, we've we've helped with shortlisting of applicants. We've sat on interview panels so that you're right. It is a gamble when you take someone on. It is a gamble with any member of staff when you take them on. But here you're making an investment of four years, five years in, in this person as well. So you really want to make sure that you've got the right person and and. Looking at the recruitment and selection process, both as an employer and a university at the same time, is a great way to get both sides of the equation mm. here together and look at it in in um, look at it from both perspectives. It's probably quite satisfying in that you've got the university, you've got a local employer, they're all coming back into work in in the same mm. community. Yes. It's a very sort of community focus kind of program and apprenticeship isn't it? it 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 is you're absolutely right because apprenticeships are, are different from our mainstream course and they're different from sponsored students because it is a genuine partnership really between the university as a training provider and the employer the the time when a a learner isn't here at the university they're still an apprentice they're an apprentice all of the time so the employer is really supporting them giving them time off during paid time to to come to university and and you're right about that kind of community focus one of the reasons that we feel it's important to work with local employers on these initiatives is that it builds the skill mix locally. We've got some very hard to fill skills gaps, particularly in healthcare, in social work, um, in teaching in some of those areas and in construction. So if we can take people who live locally, who have an understanding of the sector, we can feed them into jobs and we can upskill them. Those are the people who are more likely to stay local as well. And so for an employer, investing in someone like that means that they're likely to stay with you they're not going to leave at the end of their degree yeah and 
I think one of the key questions that comes into all this is always going to be money. Mm-hmm. And um, without getting too political about mm-hmm. it, how much sort of funding is there from, from the government um, mm-hmm. to fund the universities and the employers to make sure these to make these courses happen these programs mm. happen i mean it, the money has to come from somewhere absolutely uh, and, and that's good that's always i imagine the, the the most difficult starting point in in terms of that partnership <laughs> yeah you're right and and it's you know you you've got to be realistic the money always has to come from somewhere now in 2017 the way apprenticeships are funded changed radically and the government introduced something called the apprenticeship levy so all large employers with a payroll more than 3 million pounds now pay in to the apprenticeship levy. There's no choice about this. They've got to do it. 0.5% of their payroll is taken through PAYE and that is their contribution. So as an employer and as the University of Brighton, we're in this situation, we're a large employer, we pay into this apprenticeship levy as well. We can only get any of that money back or value for that money by training apprentices. So actually, we draw down from our levy funding as an employer in order to pay the training costs for apprentices onto these programmes. Now, this was quite a radical transformation of, uh, of funding. And part of that shift was to shift away from an over-dependency on government funding and to encourage employers to invest in staff training. We'd seen as a, as a nation, we'd seen a declining trend in investment made by employers in staff training. And that's understandable. We've gone through some very difficult financial times as a country, big periods of fiscal restraint. Everybody knows training budgets get slashed. Mm. And then you get skills gaps and then you get skill shortages and it's very difficult to fill and, and that what is the solution? So the introduction of the apprenticeship levy was really one of the government's keystone productivity measures to encourage people to upskill their own existing staff and to invest in new staff coming yep. in and training. So they can now draw down from that apprenticeship levy to pay for apprenticeship training. And that's why we've seen a big influx in people investing in upskilling their staff. Obviously, the, the, the bit that's missed out of that equation is the smaller employers, those with a payroll of less than £3 million. And for those employers, actually, government subsidies do still exist. And government subsidies of up to 95% of the training fees are available. So, you know, you can... You can actually invest in building capacity in your organisation. You can invest in your senior leadership, putting them through a degree apprenticeship programme at a fraction of the cost that it could have cost you otherwise um, if you were just doing it through a straightforward sponsorship. Yeah, we saw in the, in the in a recent general election, the major parties were pledging for these national skills funds mm, um, to people to retrain. I, yeah. I guess... Well, the proof will be in the pudding here and, and you'll be lobbying to get some of that funding towards apprenticeships, I imagine. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've, you know, we have already seen some of the flexibilities coming in. So some more flexibility of funding coming in really specifically to support those very small businesses. Mm. Um, and and there are some incentives coming through as well for the, for the micro businesses, and particularly micro businesses taking on a 16 to 18 year old apprentice. And in that case, you can you can get a grant of a thousand pounds if you're a micro business 
business and you take on an 18-year-old degree apprentice. So this this does help a business that's maybe thinking, oh, do I, do I want to mm. take the risk on a school leaver? Um, you know, actually, there's a little bit of extra support for you. Recognising that maybe somebody might need a little bit more support and hand-holding in that first year. Yeah, um, I think anyone that is potentially going to become an apprentice may be screaming mm. at me at the moment, <laughs> wondering when I'm going to ask the question, <laughs> roughly, how much will I get paid to be an apprentice? That's quite a wide-ranging question, I imagine, depending on what you're going to be involved in. But what sort of figures could we be looking at range-wise? That is a huge question. Um, and it's one of the things that concerns everybody. And it will vary. So there is an apprenticeship minimum wage, which is to be fair, um, and I'm not saying I agree with it, lower than the national minimum wage, but that is a minimum wage that as an employer you're entitled to pay. The majority of employers, and particularly when we're looking at degree apprenticeships, will be paying at least the minimum wage, which given that you're also getting all of your university fees paid for you and you're earning a wage and you're getting great work experience, um, it's not is not such a bad deal. But a lot of companies are paying way above the minimum wage. And we can, we've seen a, a number of graduate schemes, particularly in some of the larger companies, with starting salaries in the 20,000s for an apprentice, um, for a degree apprentice in engineering. So it's, it's not it's not the terrible, awful shock stories that some people seem to have heard. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and is that when it comes to finding out more about those courses, mm. is it quite sort of transparent in finding out what sort of funding you will be getting yeah. from the start? So what, that people what can sort really of, go... Yeah, what sort of wages? I mean, you will never be asked to pay a training fee as an apprentice. So all of your fees for for apprenticeships, all of your all of your fees are paid for by your employer. All of your uh, study time is given as time off. Every apprentice is entitled to a minimum of 20% off the job training time to attend university or your training provider. So you're supported by your employer in that and you're given a salary throughout. All apprenticeship vacancies should be, they're not always, but <laughs> They should be advertised on Find an Apprenticeship. And this is a government website where employers list their vacancies. Because one of the things that we have to remember is that an apprenticeship is a job with a training programme built into it. So it's quite different from the way we would normally think of finding a university course, mm. where you look at UCAS and they're all listed there and you decide what it is. You have to find the job. You have to have the employer that will take you on. So there is a section on the UCAS site where some of the degree apprenticeship employer vacancies are listed, but much more regularly updated is find an apprenticeship. That's where all the employer job vacancies are and Always it will say who the employer is, what the actual apprenticeship course you'll be doing is, where you'll be studying and what salary you'll get. So you know up front whether you want to apply for that or whether it's not actually worth your while. Great. And we'll, we'll put the link uh, for that inside the podcast description. So if you're listening Great. to this now, you can just uh, tap on your mobile device and see what's available. Um, National Apprenticeship Week next week yes <laughs> what will the university be doing to market 
Oh, gosh, well, we've got lots of things coming up. The theme for National Apprenticeship Week this year is Look Beyond. Every year there's a there's a kind of key message in that. And so for us as a university, that really, really resonates with, with where we are because for some people, actually looking beyond and challenging those stereotypes and norms of what they think an apprenticeship is is really great you know we're able to kind of present people with look beyond what you thought an apprentice it was look now it can be a teacher a solicitor uh, a social worker all of these things are actually apprenticeships so we're putting out a whole rolling um, series of messages internally and externally here at the university to really challenge people's stereotypes and make them think differently about what apprenticeships are. We've been, uh, our marketing and comms team have been doing a great job. They've been out and about interviewing some of our current apprentices, learning about their stories, learning about the differences they're making in their business. Because what people don't always necessarily realise is the actual impact these people bring from the first year they're in their studies. And people are putting real life projects into place that have made a critical difference to to businesses so so that's fantastic so we're showcasing some of them with a series of videos that will be available through youtube and on our website we have a, a road show across the university to talk to our own university staff because we're a huge organization um, and lots of people in the organization across our campuses are not all as familiar as 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 each other really with this so we have a we have a rolling road show going on on monday we'll be in cockcroft on the mares and tuesday we'll be in, in falmer in west lane cafe uh wednesday we're in mithras uh, and thursday we're in eastbourne also on Tuesday morning, we've got a special breakfast networking event aimed at small and medium-sized enterprises. Those smaller uh, businesses that for the last couple of years have struggled a little bit more to get access to government funding. Um, these are the people that don't always know how to engage with the university, don't always know how to get funding for the apprenticeships, don't always know what opportunities this could provide for them. People think, oh, it's too much hassle for me, it's all going to be awkward and I'll end up with someone who's 16 and they don't know anything and there won't be any use. So we wanted to put on a breakfast and bring these people together, talk about some of the new opportunities for funding that have just come out this January that enable them to also use the online service for apprenticeships and get a real easy way to access that government funding and to tell them that look we're here to help them as well we'll help them through that process and uh, the university can hold their hand and help them get on the system and don't want them to miss out <laughs> um okay vicky we end every podcast with some questions away from your work this has got nothing to do with what we've just been talking about at all but a bit of fun just to just to find out a bit more about you so the first question would be what advice would you give to your younger self Gosh, I've got so much advice from my younger self. It's boring. Fortunately, I've got two nieces, so I can bore to death with it now instead. Um, I think the I think the biggest piece of advice would just be about just to believe in yourself. Um, 
I think every as you as you go through life, you realise that every, every businesswoman I've met, every woman in academia, particularly, we've all got horrendous imposter syndrome. You know, get over it. Believe in yourself. And if you can't really believe in yourself, learn to give the impression that you believe in yourself because other people won't if you don't. Mm, good advice. What would you study at the University of Brighton if you could study anything? Now, that is a really good one. And uh, I, I, gosh, I'm somebody that loves to learn about all sorts of different things. So it's really hard to make a choice. <laughs> but we do have quite an exciting degree in geology with remote sensing and GIS. And I think I'd choose that because years ago I was a geology student and I remember spending many months roaming around Welsh hillsides with nothing but a little hammer and a compass clinometer. And I would just love a bit of fancy tech to play with to make it more exciting. That's fair enough. Um, can you uh, pick a favourite place in Sussex? Oh, Hastings Old Town. It's, it's brilliant. Wonderful place. There is always something going on. Always live music and pretty much every week people are dressed up as something crazy. Yeah. <laughs> if you could give visitors to Brighton, Eastbourne and the area a tip of what to do or experience just in a 24 to 48 hour period, what would it be? What would the, a small itinerary be, I guess? Oh, my goodness. Well, I think I'd, um, I'd, I'd probably... Can I pick a time of the year to do yeah, it sure, as well? Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Then you have to come down to Brighton, come down to Brighton on December the 21st, burning the clocks, mm -hmm. make sure you book into a nice hotel right on the seafront, get wrapped up warm, get out and enjoy that burning the clocks experience and finish up with a bag of chips on the seafront and a roam down the pier wonderful that's a really good tip actually burning the clock so i haven't had that one <laughs> maybe before. not sophisticated but hey. <laughs> no it's great um uh, tell us something interesting about you which most people may not know or maybe most of your colleagues maybe <laughs> oh uh, that uh something that most people would uh last year i started to do argentine tango classes okay <laughs> not very good at it you're still doing it thoroughly enjoying it yes i am <laughs> yeah how many classes in are you now then months as in uh, a whole year yeah, ago yeah yes yeah a whole year ago yes i should be a lot better <laughs> Um, and finally, if you could pick three people to um, come to a dinner party, who would they be and why? They can be past or present. Mm, so narrowing it down to three is always so difficult, isn't it? So I think I would choose I, I would choose uh, Jeff Hamilton, who is a gardening god of the 90s. Um, he was such a big influence on me when I got my very first ever garden. I read his book incessantly and still carry it forward. And I'm rather hoping if I make him a good meal, he'll come and give me some excellent <laughs> tips for my garden. So he's he's a dead cert. He's in there. Uh, then I'd want a strong woman. So I think I'd choose Dame Stella Remington. Uh, she was the first female director general of MI5. First person to make that role public, first person to bring transparency to the organisation. And I'd just love to find out how she did that, how she was a woman who made her way in a really male-dominated institution. Um, and I'd, I'd love, to, love to kind of find out more about that. And my third person, largely because I think Stella might be a bit quiet, 
and reluctant to spill the beans because of the Official Secrets Act. <laughs> so I need someone who'll keep the conversation going. I need someone who'll wheedle all her secrets out of her. So I'm opting for Graham Norton because he can get everyone talking all night. <laughs> Thanks to Vicky for her time. That site to find an apprenticeship is apprenticeships.gov.uk and you can find out about our degree apprenticeships by visiting brighton.ac.uk. The links are in this podcast description, so click or tap away. Now keep an eye on our social channels for details of what we have going on during National Apprenticeship Week. If you're not already, you can subscribe to our podcast series via most podcast providers like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening. 